it does give me hope when I do hear and see of people coming around really working within the climate movement, be it young people on you know on their Fridays for Future campaigns or local activists trying to stop deforestation you know they, those things do give me hope and politicians and businesses as well that are really trying to do their best Welcome to the Renew Our World podcast. Renew Our World is a global movement of Christians who believe that since we are truly image bearers of God, we should act like it, living out love for one another in actions and in truth. Since we are image bearers of God, we won't stand by while our neighbors are trapped in poverty and we won't stay idle as creation is left untended and inequality is left to fester. In this podcast, we're going to go on a journey together of discovering a theology of creation care. We'll be discussing the latest in climate news, chatting with industry leaders, theologians and practitioners and hearing from some of our incredible partners who are working on the ground. Join us this season as we learn about creation care and what we can do in our own lives to play part in a much bigger restorative story. So hello and welcome back to the next episode of the Renewal World podcast. And uh, it's been a bit of a bit of a while since we've done a podcast. We've had a bit of a, a longer summer season. Um, we've been sort of busily working away on some COP campaigning and uh, Reset 21, which you may have been seeing um, promoted on some of our social media channels and our, our website over the last couple of months. Um, so, yeah, sadly, we took a little break from the podcast, um, which I'm sure you're all, all were going very, very crazy uh, over the lack of the lack of audio content from your world. But fear not, uh, we're back again just in time for, for COP26. And uh, I'm really uh, delighted to be chatting today to uh, one of my own work colleagues at Tearfund, actually, um, Sue, Sue Wilshire. And she's going to be chatting to us today a little bit about COP26. And we're, we're really close to COP26 now, really uh, just around the corner. And this one is going to be a particularly important COP. Often it feels like a lot of the COP conferences are really important, but this one does feel like it's got um, a bit of significance attached to it. So, um, yeah, welcome, Sue. Um, Delighted to to have you on the on the podcast today. Thank you. It's uh, good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries. So let's 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 jump straight into it. Um, I wonder, could you tell us a bit about yourself and uh, who are you and what do you do? That kind of, that kind of thing. Okay. So as David has said, we work in the same global advocacy team at Tier Fund, and I work in our policy and research um, part of that. And I'm a senior policy advisor and I co-lead our climate and energy work. Uh, and this also includes some policy support to renew our world as well. Super. And uh, maybe just, just on that point, Sue, you've, you've been working for a tier fund for, I won't say for a long time, you've been working at tier fund for, for, for a while. Um, this, I wonder if you could tell me what is the biggest high point of your career with tier fund so far? Like if you were to think back, what sort of sticks out to you as like, oh gosh, that was a really great campaign win that that I worked on and it was just really great to see some success there. Um, I've put you on the spot with that question, but yeah, is there anything that comes to mind sort of initially? Yeah, that's that's okay. Um, well, in fact, last December we had a campaign win and that doesn't happen that regularly when you work in advocacy, unfortunately. You can spend years plugging away. So we 
We're campaigning for the UK government to end its financial and other support to fossil fuels overseas and its spending overseas. And they agreed to do that. And that was announced in December 2020. And it came into force in March this year. And on that, we're continuing to push. We're hoping that there's going to be an announcement during COP where other countries are going to join with the UK in that as well. So that's beginning to grow. So, yeah, that does certainly stand out in, in recent history. Yeah, nice. I think I saw some news recently that China were, were thinking about stopping some level of funding for, for coal and, and that kind of stuff overseas. Yeah. So, um, yeah, good to see that campaign win coming through. Um, and I, I guess as we, as we think a bit more then about COP26, um, yeah, could you, could you give us uh, a sort of explainer on what COP26 is? Yeah, and with, with, with climate change, there's a lot of acronyms, so we'll try not to use too many during this podcast, but COP actually stands for Conference of Parties, and it's like countries are known as parties in UN United Nations speak, so it's the kind of coming together of United Nations on climate. And it's actually only a few years ago when I started working on climate um, that I, the number represented the number of years it's been meeting. And I thought that was really depressing. So this is COP26, meaning this is the 26th annual climate talks. Um, and you would hope we're a little bit further than you were after 26 years. But yeah, that, that's what it's for. Cheers. Thanks, so. Yeah. Um... It's very easy to go good cop, bad cop, but let's let's leave that for another day. That's that's a very uh, well used sort of uh, yeah comes play on 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 cop. Um, but yeah, so maybe thinking about about this being the twenty sixth, um, maybe even contextualizing. Uh, a lot of people would have heard of the Paris Agreement, so that obviously that was that came out of a cop conference talk, didn't it, a, a number of years ago? Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess maybe if you could sort of explain then. Why is this particular COP an important one? And um, yeah, if why is there, there seems to be a little bit more momentum maybe around this one than previous years. I wonder if you could explain a little bit why that is maybe. Yeah. So yeah, as you mentioned, the Paris Agreement was agreed in 2015 in Paris, as the name suggests. So that France hosted that the summit that year. And it was, it was an exciting time because it, um, you know, China and US as, as two major players, not the only, really sort of helped, you know, um, have that agreement come about um, at the time. And it, it was a kind of uh, everyone coming together under the UN to say, actually, yes, these are the things we agree on. And so it was really landmark. And then this one in Glasgow should have been five years, should have been last year, it was postponed because of the pandemic, but it's sort of five year bit of review. So obviously we're at six years now. So where are we at? How are we doing? The Paris Agreement does say about limiting warming to below two and make every effort to sort of limit to 1.5. And in those six years, there's a lot more consensus and recognition that we really have to limit warming to 1.5 even then there's just so you know much devastation that we're already seeing at the moment another reason why this cop is particularly important for us in the uk is it's being hosted here so it's in glasgow in scotland and so that means we also take on the presidency as the talks start as they um but of course the hard work has also been going on for the last two years by the uk and it's been a really 
high diplomatic priority for the UK. So, so it's, a, it's a doubly important one. So we're obviously doing a lot on policy as well as campaigning and getting our supporters um, involved. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting that it's sort of a, it's sort of a review of Paris um, and sort of how, how our country's doing as they go along. Um, yeah. So I guess we're, we're pretty close to COP now. You know, as, as we record this, we're sort of two and a half weeks. Um, probably by the time people are listening to this, it might be two weeks um, away from um, the start of COP. And is there, is there a sense amongst like sort of the policy community um, of, of environmental NGOs and um, international NGOs in terms of where is the, what's the current state of play of the negotiations? Um, is it, it sounds like, I guess, from reading some media reports that it's still not fantastic. There's sort of still a lot of work to do. Um, yeah, I wonder if you could give us a little a little heads up on, on where things are at now. Mm. Yeah, it's certainly very mixed from what we're hearing. Um, and before the, the COP begins, all countries should have submitted their updated plans um, for reducing their emissions. And they last submitted them around Paris um, Agreement in 2015. And not all countries have done that. So obviously there's not long to go. And there are some notable high emission countries that are yet to do so. And interestingly, just before the COP, um, the G20 is meeting. Now, um, the G20 is a group of countries and it represents as well as you know, a high proportion of GDP and global population, but also about 80% of global greenhouse gas emissions. So it's a, it's a significant grouping of countries. Um, so far, just 11 out of 20 of those countries have submitted their what we call enhanced plans, they're more ambitious than they had before. And there are some countries that I, you know, like Australia, Russia, Saudi Arabia, China, India, that we really need to see come with those enhanced plans, um, both short term. There's a there's an ask for you know targets by 2030, as well as longer term plans by 2050. And you might have heard people talk about net zero targets, and that's often around 2050, 2060. And some of those countries have, have made some of those commitments, but as I said you know, just over half of the G20 um, and still many more amongst the United Nations. So we really hope that. And, you know, as I've sort of alluded to as well, in terms of where we're at, we just really need to hope and pray that countries put their political differences aside and they they come together. This yeah. is too important yeah. not to. Yeah, thanks thanks for that. And I guess my mind is drawn back to uh, two, uh, two years ago when I was lucky enough to be at the COP that was in Madrid, um, which which sadly was meant to be hosted in, in Chile, but um, got moved due to some geopolitical um, issues at the time. But I remember very clearly when I was there, you could you could see that when some of the bigger um, polluters were not willing to take action, it sort of had a almost like a domino effect maybe on some of the other countries that would be in relationship with those bigger countries and. Um, is there is it, this might be maybe this is too idealistic a question, but is there any sense that now that um, the US is maybe um, under a different administration with a, that an administration that is um, sort of prioritizing climate action a bit more than the previous one, is there a sense that that might have a, have an impact on um, the talks in terms of will other countries be willing to play their part if they feel like the bigger polluters um, like the US maybe China are willing to also play their part. Yeah. Or, is that, or is that too idealistic? 
Well, I mean, it certainly makes a difference. It certainly makes a difference who, you know, that we've got a new administration in the US. Obviously, under Trump, he pulled out the US out of the Paris Agreement. That's now been overturned. Um, but, for example, the US and China have other differences and that, you know, they're, they're working through that. Um, but, you, you know, you've also got countries whose whole economies are caught up in fossil fuels in the oil industry. Um, and and you've got different ideologies and some that yeah. are just not wish budging just yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I guess probably as, as COP kicks off, then, is there anything that you think people could be or should be looking out for while the while the while the talks are happening so for example what what might be a good marker of success from these talks that people might hear and see um either through the media or a plug for the renewable social media channels do follow our social media channels during cop because we'll we'll be we'll have some people there and we'll be giving some updates um but yeah is there anything that people should look out for that might be a sign that things are going well um yeah I think, well, as I've mentioned about these these plans, so we need ambitious plans from all countries. So they need to be submitted. So we need to be keeping our eye on that. Cash is another thing. So donor governments have promised over 10 years ago now to provide $100 billion in climate finance annually by 2020 and to keep doing that every year to 2025. And sadly, that's still not been met. So that you know, that breaks down a lot of trust between the countries most impacted by climate, the most vulnerable, the, you know, some of the poorest countries in the world and the donor countries, and yet they're meant to come together and hammer out deals at, at COP. So we really need that to be met. And there is a plan for delivering that that's meant to be delivered by COP. So we really need to see that as well. That's another thing to keep an eye on. And in the sort of summary text that comes out of COP, like, you know, decision statements that come out, we really need a sense of urgency, you know, that, that countries are willing to use that language of urgency and emissions reduction and recognise 1.5 uh, um, as a limit as well, because it, it may not sound um, a huge thing, but the differences in the impacts of two degrees and 1.5 is huge. And uh, we really need to get that strong recognition uh, coming out of COP. Yeah, that sounds good. I think maybe just... Uh, going a bit deeper on that so I think people maybe um, when they hear about you know 100 billion for climate finance I think maybe people would, uh, would struggle to understand what you know what is that money and what's it been used for would it be fair to say that this is effectively um, money from as you mentioned so donor countries who be who are donating this money they're then giving it to other countries for like Climate, climate change adaption and mitigation plans, you know, that, that sort of thing. So flood defences, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. Is that roughly what that money is going to be used for? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So things, as you say, flood, you know, preparing for disasters, um, adaptation, which is a word of saying, you know, how do you adapt to the changing climate? So how can they uh, adapt, you know, in their agricultural practices, and often it, it's about using already local knowledge um, and support for that. Um, you know, in, in it's in a lot of work that Tier Fund does overseas as well. Um, so there's there's a push for that to be sort of 50 50. Um, mm -hmm. Mitigation refers to anything that can reduce emissions, or like plant trees and sort of sucking. yeah, yeah, um, and then the adaptation as well, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. 
And I guess um, maybe just as we as we think about you know bringing our, our conversation to close today, um, what what would you suggest people could be praying for at this particular COP? You know, we've you know Renew World has been chatting a lot over the last couple of weeks about let's really pray for this COP and. Um, you know, we've been able to give people some some cop prayer resources and and things like that. Um, but yeah, if you if you had um, a couple of prayer points for us, what what would they be? Hmm. Well, I think to sort of recap some of the things I've talked about. So I think number one is praying for that you know, getting the world on track for one point five, and you know that that's kind of like the least worst scenario as opposed to like oh, it'd be brilliant if we were at one point five, but you know. We already know that that's going to be tough to achieve. So really praying that we can get on track. So those national plans that I mentioned get submitted, countries prepared to reduce their emissions fast. It kind of and that will help bring the global average temperature down over years to come. Um, and then, as I said, the G20 Leaders Summit, that's at the end of October, that there's there's a, there's unification, there's an acceptance of the moral case for 1.5. And, you know, in a recognition of the impact the climate crisis is having on people and the responsibility of the G20 to reduce their emissions, as, you know, as we often talk about in Tear Fundamentally Our World, that the people that um, are most affected by the climate crisis, even though none of us can escape from it, the impacts of it, but the people most severely impacted and often with the least um, resources to cope, had done the least to cause the climate crisis in the first place. So there's a moral um, kind of shouldering of responsibility, and I hope the G20 step up to that. So it'd be really good to pray for that. And fossil fuel expansion, no more, please, fossil fuel expansion. There's, there's been a, quite a few reports out this year that have just said, look, we, we have fossil fuel use, that's got to phase out over time. But we cannot afford new expansion of fossil fuels if we are to limit global warming to 1.5. And then particularly concerning the most egregious, dirty, polluting one is coal, and yet that is still growing. And obviously there's been the energy crisis that we've experienced in, in Europe and in other parts of the world recently. Um, yeah, so I, I feel like it, it's, it's important to pray that we make the right decisions in what we um, how we recover and you know investing in renewable energy investing in storage and you know and there's decisions to make all around the world on that as well super thanks Sue. so that's to recap that we're going to pray for global warming to be kept on um kept on track for 1.5 and for the g20 leader summit and then for no more uh, fossil fuel expansion so cool just, just like to give people our, our, you know, sort of Baptist sermon, three points there, you know, just so we can, uh, you know, really feel like we're in church uh, as we're listening to this podcast. We didn't um, manage to start them all with the same letter, though. We'll yeah, not quite, not quite. Um, but uh, good enough, good enough, I think. Um, and yeah, and I guess just just as we as we finish our chat today, uh, moving away from COP a little bit, um, I wonder what what gives you hope for tackling the climate crisis. And Sue, feel free to say what you are hopeful for, or if that's even a struggle right now, um, to you know talk about things that maybe that concern you as well, because I think those, it's important to, as climate campaigners, to hold those things in tension, isn't it? Because it's we do have a lot of work to do, and um, we do have th- some things that need to to shift um, in order to see some of this stuff. But yeah, um, a more general question there in terms of maybe what gives you hope for for tackling this kind of stuff. Yeah, 
Mm. Well, it definitely feels like something I'm holding in tension at the moment. Um, and hope this this last summer I found really difficult. Um, there was a, a new scientific report come out from UN and it was really depressing. I, I really got, I really, it really struck me deeply that we are very likely to overshoot 1.5, probably by 2040. And at the moment we're on a path for 2.7 degrees by the end of this century. Now, hopefully, if we reduce emissions fast enough, that overshooting of 1.5 can be temporary and temperatures can come down a bit. Um, but that, yeah, that, that was depressing thinking, you know, we've spent 26 years talking about this and, and still not acting fast enough. So that that's hard. It does give me hope when I do hear and see of people coming around really working within the climate movement, be it young people um, on, you know, on their Fridays for Future campaigns or local activists um, trying to, um, you know, stop deforestation, you know, they, those things do give me hope. And politicians and businesses as well that are really trying to do their best. Um, so, uh, you know, I, and I, I wonder how people have faced it keep hopeful because for me you know I, I guess ultimately I, I can dig deep I can my hope is found in Jesus so I have that to, to fall back on um, and I think as we get closer to, to COP I guess I feel that that hope rising that sense of energy as well the world is watching a bit of a cliche but it is you know just really hope and pray that politicians you know step up and act um, but yeah it's it is a challenge to, to hold you know sometimes the reality and seeing the lack of action versus what is needed and the hope and just believing that you know God's kingdom will be come fully into fruition and you know we, we see that came for creation more widely yeah super thanks for that so that that feels like a good time to plug the 6th of November um the sort of global day of action that people various people are planning for for a cup and uh so you if you're listening to this podcast do have a a look and check out uh maybe what march might be happening near you in, in, a, in a city or town uh near you do do turn up with your your placards your banners and uh your renewal world banners if you have them and um do do join with other people around the world coming together um who are demanding demanding action on on the climate crisis um, but Sue, Sue, it's been lovely to chat to you uh, this afternoon. Really, really interesting chat. Really, I feel like I've learned um, a lot and I even work with you. Um, so that's uh, been a real, a real great, uh, great benefit. But yeah, thank you so much for joining us. And yeah, I look forward to, to keeping in touch over the next little while as we maybe even dissect a little bit what's happened to COP after COP and we um, have a think about it a bit further. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's all from us today. And yeah. Um, Please do listen out for our next uh, COP sort of themed podcast episode, which will be released um, during during the first maybe week or two of COP. And I'm hoping to have a sort of a roundtable discussion with some Renewal World guests who will be joining us in Glasgow for the for the conference. But until until then, um, that's it. That's it for now.
Well, thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Renew Our World podcast. To learn more about the Renew Our World campaign or to hear about some of the work that our partners are doing, make sure you jump on over to our website at renewourworld.net. And if you like what you heard today, make sure you hit subscribe so you never miss a podcast episode again.